Hi there, and welcome to the Best Trainees Forward podcast. I'm your host, Mita, and I started this podcast because just like you, I want to be better at handling the challenges that come with adulthood. Let's face it, adulting can get really hard and confusing. Yet, our 20s are way too precious to just be wasted on drunken nights, mindless days, and being around people who don't lift us up. So if you're looking for a place for real conversations and honest opinions to help you through, you're in the right place. Join me as I chat with amazing individuals on how they have overcome their greatest growing pains to ignite that magic in them. Thank you for tuning in and let's kick off this episode. Welcome to the very first episode in the month of May and to kick off our Mental Wellness Month, I am so excited to be speaking with Shopa, founder of the local online counselling platform Talk Your Heart Out and Alyssa who's one of the practicing counsellors with them. Talk Your Heart Out provides online counseling and coaching services that are convenient, accessible, and of high quality at more affordable rates. Their well-being coaches are well-qualified and empathetic professionals who help clients work through their personal issues. Good news for those who are time-strapped, they do cater also to after-hours and weekend sessions as well. The COVID-19 pandemic is indeed a difficult time for our mental health as we're being presented with new challenges. To make counselling more accessible during the circuit breaker period, TYHO is providing a discounted fee for anyone who's interested in engaging their services. Visit www.talkyourheartout.com if you need support or know someone who does. Alternatively, you can also visit their Instagram page at tyho.sg. Without any more delays, let's welcome them with us. Alisa and Shilpa, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Um, before we actually dive deep into, you know, how do we deal with our stress and our anxiety during this period, I feel like I need to speak about the situation that we're in now. Because for me, I feel like this is our first real global war. And why I say first real global quote-unquote war is because most of our listeners, I mean, including myself, um, we're pretty much born post-1990 and we've enjoyed about two decades of general peace. And if I were to compare, you know, uh, back to the SARS period in 2003, I don't think the impact is anywhere quite severe as what we are seeing now. So to me, it feels kind of like a war in that sense. Do you think this is a fair assessment? Um, I think in some ways, yes, it does feel like a war, doesn't it? Like I can see where you're coming from. Um, there is, it feels like there's a portion of the economy that is being redirected to wartime effort, basically. The language that you hear mm. in the media is around, you know, mobilizing the country's resources in a big way. Uh, to manage this crisis, whether, you know, it's dipping into Singapore's resources to support the economy, boosting large-scale domestic production, uh, or managing food supplies. It really sounds like we're preparing for war. Um, and I think, like, psychologically as well, like, you feel this sense of privation. Uh, for a while, there were people hoarding food and rationing at home. So you get this feeling that there's a lack of, or there's mm -hmm. a threat or danger lurking around. But I also think like it is different from war because, of course, it's not it's not man-made. It's a pandemic. There are mm. no winners or losers. And we are all in this together. Like what fascinates mm -hmm. me is how we can talk about such similar experiences with friends across the globe. As though, you know, it's all happening to all of us. 
And in some ways, like I think we're being brought together, not torn apart. Wow, that's that's a really good way to put it, um, Shopa. I think I've never actually thought it that way. Speaking about, I think, common themes. One of the things that I noticed is that uncertainty seems to be a big theme in this time. And looking at the sentiments online, some people are reportedly feeling pretty lost in their very own home. And myself actually included. You know, I just want to know, how is this actually possible? I, yeah, I do agree that things feel quite uncertain at the moment. Like, I feel like things both big and small are kind of thrown into disarray because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So, for example, lots of people are facing financial insecurity uh, and uncertainty. So you're hearing of people being asked to take a pay cut of small F&B um, outlets as well as other businesses worrying about how they're going to stay afloat. People are worried about being laid off or graduating in this climate. Uh, and then mm-hmm. there are other things, right? Like simple things, like having a regular routine or hanging out with your friends at the end of a week or uh, visiting your loved ones. Um, and that's all kind of uh, disturbed as well. So my observation is that some people are having to reorganize a lot of the stuff they thought they had once sorted, and that can lead to them feeling quite lost. Mm-hmm. One way I feel better is knowing that I'm not alone in this that I'm not the like only one facing this uncertainty and this chaos and that mm. like every single person's life has been impacted in one way or another. So yeah, I do take comfort in the fact that we're all in this together. Mm. We mentioned a lot of the tangible things happening, like real things happening, which definitely are drastic, like taking pay cuts. You know, earlier on, I do hear of some people being asked to take a no pay leave, but One thing that I'm also wondering is how can isolation have such a big impact on our psychological well-being? Because if I were to look at things in perspective, we're technically safe in our homes. Well, we're, we're staying home to be safe, essentially. You know, there's no bombings happening. We're technically not going hungry. Um, so our basic needs are still fulfilled, Right. And if I were to try to find answers online, there's so many, you know, articles telling me what to do or how can I spend my time more efficiently. But there's no one source that actually explains to me, you know, what is going on in our, in our brains? Like, where is this anxiety coming from? So I think that's a good point that you have brought up. And one perspective is that Because we are used to having so much control over things in the material world, we expect to have control over our internal world as well. But that's quite unrealistic. For example, if I ask you now, Meta, don't think about ice cream in the next few seconds. Just don't. Don't think about the flavor. Don't think about the color. Don't think about the taste. Oh man, the more I want to think about it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So this is something that was pointed out in the book, uh, The Happiness Trap by Russ Harris mm-hmm. and Beth Hasted. Yeah, it's a really good book. So you think you have control over your mind, but in reality, thoughts just come to your mind and you might not have any control over these thoughts. Just like how you still thought of ice cream, even though you were trying hard yeah. not to think about it. So based on what you're actually telling me, Alisa, is the anxiety that most of us are feeling now Would you say it's different or the same from the usual anxieties that we typically face? I think in many ways, like we are continuing to face 
the same life challenges, right? So like the source of your anxiety is pretty similar to pre-COVID days uh, in that people are still concerned about the same sort of work, uh, so the same sort of stuff. So your work and finances, family and relationships, health and so on. But then in so many other ways, COVID-19 is an unprecedented situation. Like people are grappling with something that is mm-hmm. so different. Um, so in my view, it could like both exacerbate pre-existing issues, but it could also create new anxieties, right? So mm. for example, like family tensions that are pre-existing can be intensified, your social media addiction worsened. And of course, like domestic violence is a really big issue during this time as mobility outside home is restricted. But then there are like new anxieties um, that people could be facing, such as like health worries or job-related insecurities, fear of losing loved ones. So I'll just give you um, my example. Uh, in my case, like in the initial period, I, bit, I had a bit of health anxiety and like panic attacks, thinking about um, how I, like if I visited my grandparents, uh, my grandma and my parents, I might like expose them to a risk uh, of um, COVID. And so I, and I also used to feel this like sense of panic every time I read the news. And so the, situa- the situation I felt was like so fast evolving that it just felt like it was all gloom and gloom and I need to, needed to be like stuck to the TV. Um, if not, I would miss out on something. But then like after a while, um, I think I just started enjoying aspects of being at home uh, and I'm quite introverted. So, and I like having like less pressure now to do things. Um, like you don't have to, you don't feel like you need to pack your weekends, mm. right, with activity. And um, I also think now I have the time to kind of pick up old hobbies like reading um, mm-hmm. and I get more time to chillax with my husband. <laughs> so that's nice. nice. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, um, yeah, like in some ways it is it is quite different, but then how we feel can be quite complex as well. Like you right. could feel a whole bunch of emotions together or, your, or the way that you're... Um, like how you feel about something can just evolve over time as well. I think that's quite an interesting insight. With whatever they're, we're feeling now, are there any groups within the society that you think will be most impacted psychologically during this time? Um, I think it's it really depends on the individual's uh, circumstances. It's like, of course, there are certain groups that you know you can immediately point out as being quite vulnerable, like people who... Um, are susceptible to domestic abuse and violence. Like, so immediately, I feel like, of course, that's, you know, they are at high risk because you're not allowed to do very much outside of mm. home uh, to be safe. So really, like, you're kind of... Confined like, and you're... Confined no and rescue. you're, yeah, living with your perpetrator often. So mm. it, it's a tricky situation. It's not an easy one. But apart from that, I guess, like, there is quite a bit of media coverage on the elderly people as well because... I think a lot of them after retirement, they have a particular routine and, you know, they like meeting their friends on at certain times and it can be quite uh, restrictive for them to stay at home. They're just not able to carry on with the sort of activities that they had planned for themselves uh, mm-hmm. or they would be regularly doing. So, yeah, I feel like that can result in certain mental health issues. Right. Talking about how our experiences are unique and just how everyone's been diverting their attention you know to social media now that we have more time on our hands in that sense um one of the things that 
I have seen with the lockdown is that suddenly everyone has 72 hours in a day as opposed to the previous 24 hours. You know, everyone's rushing. (laughs) I mean, everyone's rushing to get apps. Either that they're trying to become a, you know, a sourdough expert or they're trying to pick up a new language or just, you know, I guess trying to bake like the, the, the best cake in town. Like simply put, I feel like there's this race to be, you know, the most productive person ever during this isolation period. Do you think that is actually healthy? Um, I think you're absolutely right that everyone is trying so hard to do something out there and it is in a sense, it does feel like a bit of a productivity race. So the thing is, this is a new situation for all of us and everyone copes in different ways. Mm. There really isn't a right or wrong answer. And looking Mm. at what others are doing can really give us a lot of ideas about the different activities that we can try, the different things we can do. But at the same time, it's also okay to allow yourself to not be productive during this time. So um, I think I'd like to pick up on a keyword that you mentioned, which is race. Basically, the idea of comparing yourself to others. And I think with social media, especially now, whether intentional or not, there is this element of looking at someone else's photo and saying, wow, they're achieving this, they're achieving that. So if comparing yourself to others is helping you, then go ahead by all means. However, if you feel stressed or you feel worse about yourself whenever you look at all these other pictures and these things that other people are doing, then you may want to consider redefining productivity for yourself in terms of what is meaningful to you and not by other people's standards. Because you touched on the topic of how do I actually define productivity for myself? And Mm -hmm. I think the first instinct when you see others being so productive and you're not, the first thing you feel is you feel a sense of FOMO. And Mm. on top of that, you feel like, you know, you feel guilty for not doing enough with your life. Like, what should I do if I, if someone actually feels this way? I think the short answer is to be kind to yourself. So when you mention guilt, it seems to imply that you've done something wrong. But again, there's no right or wrong. And uncertainty is the only constant in these times. So mm. I would say being kind to yourself is very important. And I think that sometimes people have double standards for other people and for ourselves. So, for example, if someone else is going through a difficult time, we might be very kind to them, very supportive, asking, oh, are there ways that I can help you out? But when it comes to ourselves, sometimes we have a lot more harsh standards for ourselves. And why might that be the case? Exactly, yes, yes. Higher expectations Mm. for ourselves. The other day, I was actually doing some reflection and I came up with, I won't say a revelation, but I was just trying to understand where is all this anxiety coming from. And for me, I feel like previously we center our days around what to do, where to go, or where to be. There's always that something next that's waiting for us. Unfortunately, with the lockdown, I feel like this structure and concept is completely thrown out of the window. So am I actually right to say that and Is it actually normal to feel that way? Yeah, so I think what's really behind your question is the sense of control, if I'm I'm understanding you correctly. There's that sense of control and I think like we know what's next, but now like I don't know what's next, you know. And the fact like what you mentioned, this whole thing is so new to everyone. Like Mm. we're kind of like thrown in the deep end of this and we're kind of like, okay, what to do? (laughs) You get what I mean? Yes, yes. And I would say that it is a very normal feeling to feel like 
you don't know what's coming next because uncertainty is really the biggest constant right now. The restrictions in place, it really can feel like we're losing some sense of control over what mm. we can and cannot do and that's valid. Mm, yeah. Right, right, I see. Apart from, I would say, the negative impact, like if I were to look at the news, um, you know, see how other countries are doing, I feel like in a lot of ways, I think the, the way the government actually communicates with us with each step of restrictions, I feel like they've done a pretty good job with, you know, uh, assuring us. I think that's right. I think the Singapore government has done a great job with the situation. Like, yeah, I do agree with your assessment. Um, I mean, times are uncertain, but I think they could have been much worse. And like mm. you said, the government did at every step, Alifia's, and I think they brought in stability and calm that was very much needed. They communicated well in advance, prepared, prepared us for, you know, the changes that were to be expected and also gave us enough time to arrange our affairs in order. And I think as well, you can tell that they were being effective in communicating with us because the two times that there were clear waves of panic buying, having our leaders reassure us was so good and it almost had an immediate calming effect. Mm. So yeah, I think like um, speaking in terms of mental wellness, um, I think it all went quite a long way to make people feel safe. They have multiple approaches of communication via their website, via the Facebook page, via the WhatsApp oh. group. So it feels like there's a lot of areas that, you know, we can kind of like cross-refer and get information. And this also helps with, you know, what actually causes the biggest fear during this time is fake news. Misinformation is essentially like the last thing that you want to have uh, in this type of pandemic. And I even fell prey to once. There was once that, you know, there was news circulating that Lee Sin Long is going to have an address at this time. And I was like waiting in front of CNA and okay, nothing's <laughs> like, you oh, yeah, know, I remember that. coming yeah. up. Yeah. Exactly. And, and the first thing I knew was, you know, the WhatsApp chat immediately pinged all of us saying that that's actually fake news. So I think providing people enough resources, be it online or offline, to really get their hands on the information they need is already part of assuring us that, hey, whenever you need an information, we are there. We are halfway through the circuit breaker at this point. And even when the lockdown is lifted and when this whole period actually ends, do you think that there will be long-term psychological effects that you foresee happening for young people? Yes, I think studies do seem to suggest that the COVID-19 situation may leave psychological scars in young people for years to come. And like mm -hmm. the research um, says that, you know, for a variety of reasons, early employment struggles may result in like depression and stress that persists over the long term. But I think, yeah, I think it's important for, I guess, young people to kind of be alerted to this. So, you know, they're prepared and more resilient. Um, if they are graduating during this period of economic downturn. So I think to me, there's like all the more reason to take care of your mental health. But I also think like it's helpful to have, to think of practical strategies and like think about how you can be more resourceful, right? In seeking out a mentor uh, or something to like help you navigate the professional mm. world. So yeah, I do think that there will be long-term psychological effects that people have to grapple with. But on a more positive note, I was reading that some demographers and other such professionals are actually suggesting that the COVID-19 situation is going to help people in becoming less narcissistic and more selfless wow. as they 
yeah, as they recognize the sacrifices of frontliners and also cooperate together to overcome uh-huh. such a huge national challenge. So during this difficult period, as we have already mentioned, it's pretty much everyone's first time in this uh, dire of a situation. So what would you suggest we should do to actually take care of our mental health during this period? So there are three things that I think would help to keep us sane during this whole novel situation. The first one is to be kind to yourself, as I was mentioning earlier. One thing that could possibly help with this point is imagine that you have a friend who is going through what you're going through. What would you say to them? What would you do to comfort them? The second point is to accept the situation. The COVID is going to be around for a while. There is nothing we can do about it. So to accept that things are going to remain uncertain for some time. And when we talk about accepting the situation, we're not talking about agreeing or disagreeing with COVID or with different policies that are in place or what countries are doing. When I say accept the situation, I mean accepting that COVID happened and this is how it is affecting me as an individual. Often Mm. people feel something and then they try to fight the feeling. For example, if I feel angry, then I might tell myself, don't think about it, don't think about it, it'll go away. Or people get stressed because they can't get rid of the anger and then on top of anger, there is now stress because you are angry and you can't get rid of the anger. Mm. So the more you try to ignore or fight a feeling, the longer it is going to bug you. So instead, know that all feelings are valid. There's no right and wrong when it comes to feeling. So Mm. allow whatever feelings you have to be there. For example, telling yourself that I'm angry about this whole COVID situation and it's okay for me to feel angry. It's okay to feel upset. And then just let yourself feel those emotions. You might think that it might be comfortable, uncomfortable initially to confront the unpleasant feeling. But once you've acknowledged them and allowed them to be there, the benefit is that you'll feel more calm. And then after that, you'll be able to more rationally and objectively approach what you need to do. Right. Yeah. So in okay. summary, the three points are to be kind to yourself, to have acceptance of the situation, and to acknowledge and allow yourself to feel the unpleasant feelings that happen. Right, okay. So I should just allow at this uh-huh. point in time to be upset that bubble tea stalls are not yes, going to open exactly. up exactly. Let yourself right? grieve over that loss. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about acknowledging our feelings and, you know, being able to rationally approach it. To be very frank, I'm more of an extroverted introvert, so I cannot say that and actually entirely hating this general slowdown lockdown and I think Shilpa is in fact enjoying Mm -hmm. her time as well to a certain extent (laughs) but I can imagine my friends around me who are generally extroverted they have this whole you know amount of energy within them and and they cannot even let it out anywhere and they're so used to basically going out every weekend till late so I think the impact on them will be far greater than probably what it is on me. Um, what do you think are the different ways that they can cope? Well, I'm an introvert as well, just like you. So I, <laughs> I have to admit that I'm not entirely hating this whole stay-at-home thing. But I do have friends who are extroverted and the struggle is very real. One of them mentioned to me that it's not about being outdoors or indoors, but it's about being able to socialize in different ways. So mm. for this particular mm. friend, he likes texting. So he mainly uses WhatsApp and now he uses it a lot more than before. And he talks to different mm. friends. Like he's catching up with old friends and things like that. So um, other activities that I've heard of include video calls, of course, 
and some of them have tried to volunteer with the COVID situation. There are quite a few calls for volunteers. And interestingly, someone also mentioned that um, just treasuring the short grocery trip. So these yeah. are some of the things that some of the extroverts that I know have done. What my friends and I actually did is we started these learning sharing sessions. So I find that it gets quite a bit boring after some time. We kind of run out of topics to kind of like talk about. But I think putting in like a goal with each meeting or with each video call actually mm. helps a lot. Like for us, I think we share a bit uh, about... we probably wouldn't have even known about our friends if not for this actually lockdown. So we invite each of our friends who are in the video call to share something about their job mm -hmm. or their lives. Uh, I think that's a good way to just, you know, bond with your friends despite the non-physical interaction, yeah, I would I think say. that's a great initiative and it's really creative as well. Yeah, or you can cook together like a video cook-off. I think <laughs> that would be fun. Let's say I'm someone who already does basically everything that, you know, we have been talking about and I feel like I'm still having difficulties coping. Maybe because I experienced like a real trauma. Like for example... Losing my job suddenly, getting a pay cut. I think these can be very traumatic events. Is it something that I should go seek counselling for? Often people seek counselling because they've tried different ways to cope. And everyone has different ways of trying to cope with different things that happen in our life, right? All the struggles that you just mentioned earlier, they're all valid. And difficulty coping is something that is defined um, differently by each person as well. Often people seek counselling because they've tried many ways to cope or they've tried different ways to cope. And for example, some people like texting their friends to cope. Some people like talking to other people. And counselling is just one of the ways that can help with coping. So the way that counselling helps is through helping you to make sense of things and to seek more clarity on what's going on in your mind. People often have this mm. misconception that you must have a mental health issue or a very quote-unquote severe problem in order to justify going for counselling. But that's not true. A lot of people seek counselling to make sense of very commonly experienced issues like the issues you mentioned and also things like stress from work, relationship issues, family issues, even office politics and difficulties with friendships as well. Because all of these things has the potential to stress us out too. So I can actually reach out for counselling even if I'm not clinically depressed. Yes, that's yes, what you're saying, enough. right? I think that's right. Like I don't think it needs to be something that severe because mental health is a spectrum. So it could you could have like a mental illness or mental disorder of you know a severe nature on the right hand side and mental mental like health, you know, where you're just prospering and thriving on the left-hand side, I think most of us, you'll realize, are somewhere in between. And that often, like, life throws us all these challenges that we need to cope with. And we're just, like, trying to make sense of it and, you know, find um, ways to cope with it. And I think this is where, like, counseling kind of helps. Like, it's mm -hmm. for those of us... Um, yeah, we're trying to make sense of the situation that we're currently in, but we require a little bit of clarity and outside perspective to kind of get us through it. Given that we are pretty much in lockdown and our movements are restricted, can be a bit difficult to basically get counselling offline. I know that Shilpa, you started off this uh, really amazing initiative called Talk Your Heart Out. You're providing online counseling services in that sense. Can you share with us a little bit more about Talk Your Heart Out? Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for calling it amazing, firstly. Yeah, so Talk Your Heart Out is an online counseling and coaching platform 
And our uh, aim with it is to make counseling services, counseling and coaching services more accessible, more convenient, and also provide these at more affordable rates. Uh, Is online counseling actually any different from offline counseling? I think to a large extent, you know, it's very similar. It's like everything that Alyssa was talking about earlier. The point is to provide clarity to the situation that you are in. There are certain benefits to online counseling. So, for example, one of the big ones that I can think of is uh, the idea of relative anonymity. You don't actually fully have to reveal yourself to the counselor if you don't want to. You can receive counselling via text or Mm. just on an audio call. And so you don't have to see your counselor even, and you don't have to be seen outside a counselor's office. I think this is quite an advantage to a lot of people because... While I would love to fight stigma around mental health issues, I also recognize that destigmatization doesn't happen overnight. So meanwhile, you have access to online counseling. Of course, there's convenience as well. So for those of us who are kind of time-strapped or juggling multiple responsibilities at home and at work, it's always just a little bit easier to kind of not have to find the time to travel to a place. Like, you know, commuting can take a bit of time and also not have to shop around for a counselor near home or near work. Um, It's just more easily accessible and you can like fit it around your various commitments. And the last advantage I can think of is price. Like it is a fair bit cheaper for people to visit a private counselor. So as you may know, like private counseling can cost anywhere between $150 to $250 for individuals and up to $350 an hour for couples counseling. So we are far cheaper than these exorbitant figures, but we provide the same high quality services. Just to add on to what Shilpa has said, for me personally, I feel that when I talk to someone, like face-to-face, my thoughts are all over the place and I'm kind of thinking out loud. So at the end of it, I might say a lot of things and then I might ask the person, do you get what I mean? But when I type out my thoughts, like in a WhatsApp message, for example, I feel that I have to think more about what my point really is and I have to be more concise, Mm. which is another level of helping me to gather my thoughts. It's like an additional level of helping me to gather my thoughts. So for people who prefer texting as opposed to speaking face-to-face, Maybe online counselling using the text function might suit you. I think that's a a very good point that you raised, Alisa. And, you know, honestly, I think just speaking from Mm -hmm. experience, I think you got it right. Like, Mm counselling, number one, is expensive. And it's not only that, like, trying to find the right counselling, trying to, I mean, trying to find the right counsellor, setting appointments with different, you know, counselling organisations or clinics, It's actually a lot of work. And at the end of the day, all you want is basically a listening ear who understands. Yeah, I think that's certainly the hope. Like I think from my own experience, so some years, like three years ago or so, I had a case of like severe burnout at work. Mm. And you know what? Like I sought uh, online counseling at that time. And I really like on reflection, I remember thinking that um, I think the reason I continued on with counseling is because I started online because they just made it so easy for me uh, Mm. to access those services and yeah you're right like the biggest pain is to find someone who like who is a good fit for you and um and you don't you just don't want to be shopping around for Mm. a counselor it's not already you feel like a little bit vulnerable Mm. and on top of that if you have such high barriers to you know access counseling it can be quite prohibitive So if let's say right now I'm keen to basically get counseling services from Talk Your Heart Out, what can I do? And are there any 
special rate for this circuit breaker period? Yes. Yes. So if you want to access counseling on Tokyo Hata, uh, you can visit our website, which is at www.tokyohata.com. We do have circuit breaker rates during this period uh, to make counseling more accessible to everyone who needs it because these are challenging times. And so uh, we've got a, a diverse group of male and female well-being coaches with wide-ranging expertise, and they're all really empathetic and warm like Alyssa. Um, we do want to make it easy for people to talk to someone. So we provide after hours and weekend sessions. And you can also choose text, audio or video, whichever you prefer. Thank you again so much, Shopa and Alisa, for your time with us today. For anyone out there who feels that they would benefit from talking to a professional to get some clarity or perspective on any kind of difficulties you're facing right now, be sure to check out their website. I hope you've gotten something valuable from today's session. You can find out more information by following us on our Instagram at best20s underscore podcast. And while you're at it, do remember to leave us any comments and feedback that you might have. Once again, thank you for tuning in. Always remember to love yourself and find your magic. See you in our next episode.